Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Evolution happens all the time, and not everyone is happy about it, yet they should be. Despite the occasional negativity that you see online and elsewhere, with people complaining about how things are so bad in the hobby, or how there's not much we can do to make a difference, or why this product isn't such a good idea, the usual stuff, it's a really good time to be an aquarium hobbyist. One of the coolest things about our hobby is the amazing progression over the years in both the state of the art and technique and technology that we embrace. Yeah, I know, I love to tease you techie people, but I'm appreciative for what you've done. Really, you've helped make some things possible with an ease we've never even enjoyed before. Amazing improvements that have enabled us to do things previously thought incredibly difficult or even impossible unfold daily in the hobby. And the progression our hobby seems to be uh, moving that is is accelerating constantly. Okay, I gave you guys your damn moment in the sun. Go back to the controller readouts and create a lighting controller or something that someone other than an engineer can figure out, okay? I mean, I can't leave you guys alone completely. <laughs> Regardless, we're in a great kind of postmodern aquatics era. What an amazing time to be a, an aquarist. It's interesting, however, to watch some hobbyist reactions to new products, new techniques, new ideas, etc. Now, I do read a lot of new product blogs and occasionally follow discussions about various aquarium topics. And it's not uncommon after reading about some new product or evolved technique that you'll see comments like, that's nothing new really. Blank, you know, had something like that a few years ago. Or all that guy did was add whatever. It's not really new. Okay, well, maybe. And so the fuck what? Totally negative attitudes, the kinds which actually keep things from progressing. I see these a lot. Comments and attitudes like this seem to overlook a few simple facts. So let's look at this idea just a bit closer. Did you ever think about how technology and practices we routinely utilize in the hobby actually came into being in the first place? Much of it is stuff built upon achievements and developments from the past. Successes and failures contributed to this process, right? There's no magic here. I mean, it all started with a goldfish bowl, right? Sure, they're brand new technologies that trickle into the hobby all the time, yet many of the hottest new products, the ideas, techniques, and stuff that we see today arose out of, uh, you know, as a result of someone just looking at something that was already in existence and saying, I could do better than that. It's that old better mousetrap theory, right? Things evolve over time, often borrowing from existing technology or technique. And what's wrong with that? I mean, Hollywood does it all the time with that wretched and vapid lack of creativity that you see in remaking everything from comic strips to children's toys in an attempt to entertain people. And it works. It sells billions of dollars of tickets and merchandise despite the insanity of sequels to movies that never should have been greenlighted in the first place. Okay, I'm digressing here. Don't get me started. Anyway, I think we do a bit better with this process in the aquarium hobby, but the point is you can draw from the past and create cool stuff for the present. It's evolution, I suppose. I guess where one could question this is when you look at certain product sectors in the hobby. For example, planted aquarium substrates, those come to mind. I mean, many of the newer planted substrates are hardly distinguishable or even differentiated from each other. Many are made of, you know, quote, clays sourced in the mountains of Japan or whatever. Well, it is super cool, and there's no doubt these are great products, but how many different mountains are there in Japan that you can get clay from? I mean... Or more precisely, I mean, does each mountain have some special clay that's so much different than the others? What makes any of the 20-some-odd different brands of planted aquarium substrate made from clay any different from the others besides the packaging or product name? I mean, there's a difference between evolution of a product and differentiating one from another. I mean, look what we're doing here at Tannin. We did not invent the idea of tossing seed pods and leaves and all that stuff into aquariums. It's been around as long as people cut fishes. 
All we did is see a way to make a more cohesive set of concepts, techniques, and applications for them. And we organized and we kind of figured out what works and what doesn't. It's different than what had been done in the past, but definitely building upon practices that have been around long before we ever came into the game. It's evolution. Now, sure, other brands have come into our little market sector offering, you know, naturally sourced botanicals or whatever, but no one's inventing new seed pods, right? That's nature. So the differentiating factor in our little sector, much like the aquatic substrate sector, is how these materials are used in the process or technique and how they can accomplish various things in a different way that we want them to do. Just putting the same thing in a new package is not doing anything special, in my opinion. It's homogenization of the market. That's why I'm so hard on some of these newcomers to our sector. It's not because I'm them jealous or they're trying to do what we've done, but because they're not bringing anything different to the table. I see so many websites that my friends you know, send me links to that you know, we're offering natural botanicals. They have a few stock photos of the Amazon or whatever, and it's the same stuff that we have had for five years. Nothing new. Maybe the price is different, but who cares? Uh, and it just doesn't make anything exciting. It doesn't do anything. There's no information, no case studies, no discussion of why these things are different, and, and no technique shared, no aquarium ideas shared. Uh, they're not bringing anything different to the table. It's a wasted opportunity, and it's kind of stupid if you ask me. You didn't, but hey, anyway, I can go on with that for hours. But evolution and refinement have always driven advances in the hobby. They always will. Now, one need not look you know, far back into the hobby's past to see a prime example of this evolution. For those of you that have been around with the, in the reef world, you probably remember this. Remember when reef aquariums hit the U.S.? It was like in the 1980s. And there was a sudden introduction of what was called the trickle filter. Water from the aquarium was trickled over some sort of plastic media, allowing bacteria to thrive and sort of process the water, removing ammonia and, uh, and, and creating nitrite and turn it into nitrate. Cool stuff, yet it was derived from sewage treatment technology. It's been around for decades long before that ever happened. It wasn't some completely new concept. And this venerable invention powered the reef systems of the mid-80s for quite a while, placing the promise of the, the miniature reef into the grasp of almost every marine hobbyist. Plastic filter media like bioballs were all the rage. There were tons of different varieties. And, and of course, a lot of people used things like hair curlers and you know, plastic packing materials and stuff. You could use it about anything. It was about surface area. Uh, a guy named George Smith wrote this landmark series of articles in the old Freshwater and Marine Aquarium magazine in 1986, extolling this technology, helping to launch the modern reef craze as we knew it. By 1988, it seemed like the marine sector of the hobby exploded in popularity, with dozens and dozens of new filter manufacturers popping up and arriving on the scene almost monthly, like everywhere you looked. It was evolution. As the decade wore on, however, hobbyists and manufacturers saw fit to improve the trickle filters that were available at the time, creating new models with greater media capacity, more baffles to break up flow, and compartments to hold equipment like protein skimmers and reactors, which were both evolved and new ideas as well. Little improvements that provided increased performance. Nothing revolutionary, mind you, just tweaks. Good tweaks, nonetheless. Eventually, it was determined that the trickle filters were great at removing ammonia and nitrite, yet tended to allow nitrate to accumulate rapidly. Now, in the 90s, many embraced the belief that accumulating nitrate could be a potential detrimental um, substance to coral growth and even to long-term fish health. And almost overnight, conventional trickle filtration began to fall out of favor. Hobbyists everywhere began yanking the plastic media, you know, like bioballs, etc., from their trickle filters. The filter became what was called the sump. And it was primarily the nexus for water treatment, mechanical and chemical, for the aquarium. It's been that way ever since. Uh, with no use for biological towers within this new school of thought, this feature began to disappear from filters. Kalkwasser, your calcium, uh, 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 a saturated solution of calcium, 
dosing was utilized to increase alkalinity and calcium and to precipitate phosphates. The so-called Berlin method of reef keeping arrived, and a derivative of this method has been state-of-the-art ever since with many, many, many subtle tweaks. Once again, existing technology and technique can morph to accommodate the prevailing school of thought. The state-of-the-art evolved, and so did the equipment. An idea from the past improved upon to accommodate the needs of the present. Whoa, evolution, again. It's all over in the hobby in both fresh and salt water. In my opinion, we're often too quick to chide these evolutionary steps as copying or ripping off existing ideas, when in reality, they're simply improving and building upon what was already there. This is the necessary progression of things in many cases. We didn't make the leap from undergravel filters to high-capacity sumps and hyper-efficient protein skimmers and canister filters, or from fluorescent bulbs to advanced controllable LED lighting overnight. Hobbyist manufacturers and product designers looked at the prevailing technology and technique of the day. They assessed the needs of the hobby and attempted to improve upon these existing techniques. Remember, many of these improvements are done to gain market advantage over competitors. For example, if I make an easier-to-clean filter, hobbyists are more likely to purchase my product. Further refinements take place all the time. This is how the hobby progresses. It's good. It's totally normal. Evolution. For some reason, many aquarium hobby prognosticators love to bash on those who see something not working in the hobby and attempt to improve or build upon what's already there. It's weird. Like the refrain, there's nothing new, is so common on hobby forums and such that it's almost laughable in my opinion. Sure, in a hobby movement like ours, you know, with botanicals, when you distill it down, all we're really doing is attempting to replicate on some level the processes and conditions which are present in nature. We're simply trying to develop technique utilizing natural materials to do what nature has done unassisted for eons. Truly nothing new, right? Well, not to nature, but to the hobby. It's sort of an evolution from what we've been doing for many decades, isn't it? Inspiration is open source, and innovation is for anyone to embrace. Evolution is almost an unstoppable force in the aquarium hobby. It can come from anywhere and anytime. Thanks to global communication fostered by the internet, ideas can be presented and tweaked really easily. Some aquarium technologies, such as lighting and controllers, borrow from other industries or fields of endeavor, whereas others, such as the development of new food products, arise out of knowledge and experience gained within the fields of aquatic science and aquaculture and good old hobbyist experience as well. Ideas, technologies, and technique cross-pollinate between fields, and the changes benefit all of us. Sweet, right? There's no great hobby hegemony that seeks to keep ideas and progressions in the hand of just a chosen few. No way. These days, anyone with an idea, determination, and a social media presence can forge a new path for the hobby and get the word out quickly. Trust me. Think about this for a second. As a Tannin Aquatics customer, you're actually a participant in the progression of the hobby. Hell yeah. No watching for the sidelines for you. You've got a front row seat to this evolution, and your comments and questions don't go unnoticed by... Myself, fellow manufacturers, fellow hobbyists, and industry people. So the next time you might be tempted to criticize someone's new hobby idea or product because it seemingly borrows from something already in existence, realize that you're merely seeing the evolution of the hobby at its flashpoint, the bleeding edge, as they like to say. Don't just chide the development you know, because part of it seems derived from something familiar. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Utilize it. For that matter, improve it. <laughs> okay. Time for some chin-ups and some coffee here. I'm out of here. I have this idea I need to tweak that's in my head. Evolution awaits. Anyway, until next time, stay observant, stay brave, stay excited, stay inspired, stay creative, and always stay wet. This is Scott Feldman. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.